welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange, formerly the She Yearns podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to day 28 of Isolation Captivity from the Strange Front, give or take a couple of days. I know it's been no less than 25 but my calendar may not be exactly right. But right now, it feels a lot like Gilligan's Island, more so than the Tom Hanks movie Castaway, where he was shipwrecked, ends up on that island, talking to a soccer ball that he's drawn a face on, <laughs> as if it were a person. I could still order some stuff from Walmart, but not from Amazon, unless I want to wait until Halloween to get it on my Prime account. <laughs> like you, I'm figuring out how to use what I have to do what I need, kind of like the crew did on Gilligan's Island with coconut and nothing but bamboo. <laughs> In most days, I am wearing the same outfit over and over again like the cast did on a TV show. Like that poor crew, I'm always working for solutions out of this mess, putting round pegs in square holes if I need to do that. That's sort of what I'm doing today. You see like all church services, sporting events, track meets, ball practices, any gathering over the size of my immediate family to include speaking events on my calendar. They've all been canceled in the near future. So some groups are just waiting it out to see what's going to happen. Others are rescheduling for the fall or next spring. But this one group I was going to spend the whole weekend with in a matter of days is just really out of luck for that gathering, which is unfortunate on all levels. So what we're doing today is we're dedicating this episode to them, focused on the topic for just a few minutes of what we're just going to delve into for the whole weekend. And I'm really excited about the message and how it's become a focal point for us today. And I just can't wait to get moving on it. The problem is that you and I are not simply on a pretend show like Gilligan's Island. That's a relatable illustration for the moment. And there have been some funny memes come across Facebook. I don't know if you've seen them that kind of take our mind off the severity of a worldwide phenomenon of a pandemic like the coronavirus. But it's not a comedy. At Valentine's Day, most of us could not have foreseen the world as it is today. It's really more like we did crash into the ocean from an airplane with little to no warning. And here we are. I hope you packed and sealed your toilet paper because you're having to swim a long way to the nearest island. Before you and I end up with a somewhat delusional attitude, talking to soccer balls as if they're real people, we really need a better plan. For insight, we're going to take a look at the prophet Habakkuk. He too faced the unprecedented, offering true wisdom for how to flourish in your present. Habakkuk has been given a vision of God. Not much has happened yet. He's just been given the vision of what's going to happen as a prophet. He's the mouthpiece. He could see what was coming in the future, and he was charged with making it known. It was an unsettling vision. It was violent, a solution in which the bad guys were able to overcome the good with God's blessing. The country in this vision was ravaged. It was Israel. There was conflict, injustice, destruction, wickedness prevailing over the righteous. It left Habakkuk with huge 
questions, real quandaries, much like you and I might find ourselves asking when we see the death tolls rising, the stock market falling, and see life as we once knew it very recently disappearing before our eyes. God, how could you? Maybe you have found yourself in a similar posture recently. If you ventured to the store to find the basics, only to not be allowed in when you wanted to walk in, or only with a mask, to see people wrapped in plastic from head to toe, discovering massive shortages of what you need. And and why? It's not a hurricane. The water still works. We're not losing electricity. You're probably not going to have to start a fire with nothing but store-bought logs. Why is there not any hamburger meat? I mean, that stuff is expensive. It's because of fear. Fear and anxiety of the unknown. Everyone is scared to death, wondering what is going on. Before you place your order for a huge supply of soccer balls and a Sharpie, you need to understand something about this message from Habakkuk. God is not moving you to survive this moment in history. He needs you to lead out during it. More than he needs his people to just make it through. He is looking for you to flourish and to show other people how to do the same. As you listen and take in what God is saying to you, hear as one who is responsible not simply to yourself, but to take what you have, to use it, pass it along. He is equipping you for a greater purpose. The first thing we see from Habakkuk from the very outset of his message, notable is his boldness in prayer. I'm just going to summarize some of it because I'm going to give you an overview of what he is communicating here. He sees this troubling vision. The nation is crushed. He's confused. He's upset by it. It causes him to question how could God in his righteousness allow such calamity in his own people? And Habakkuk doesn't just keep all this bottled up. That's what we see in this dialogue in chapter one. And he doesn't accost God at the same time with, Lord, I don't understand. What are you doing? This makes no sense in a very pointed, angry tone. What I think is telling about his attitude and what we learn from the text is that Habakkuk doesn't walk off mad because the answer is not simple and he doesn't like the answer. Never to trust God again, musing how can a good God allow such calamity, forsaking him. Instead, the prophet throws what he knows of God's character back at him, saying, I thought you couldn't look at iniquity. I mean, I'm truly puzzled by all this. Habakkuk wants to understand he's not mad, He's but gets that the Israelites have gravely sinned. The solution seems to be from God that the victor is a more terrible foe. And he says, surely that can't really be the answer here. I mean, seriously, Lord, this is God he's addressing. That's unadulterated, bold prayer. So I want to ask you, how Are you approaching God in your own calamity? Today's realities do not seem to make any sense. I get it. And some people are facing crisis on top of calamity. If we want to flourish, we should do what Habakkuk does here from the outset. We should first take our troubled hearts, our lack of understandings, and what we know of God's character that is not adding up in our realities boldly to the throne. The whole first chapter is this dialogue. Bold prayer is how we're going to flourish. That's the first mark of flourishing in your present situation. We know Habakkuk wasn't simply on a tirade because of what happens next. This prophet does something we need to do in our present situation. And this is the first verse of chapter two. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he says to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He is going to watch and wait. Hear what Habakkuk does. I will take my stand at my watch post 
look. He's not curling up counting his rolls of toilet paper or his money. He's not freaking out at the magnitude of the calamity, although the calamity is really large. He's got a job to do. He's a watchman charged with looking out for those entrusted to him. He's taking his post. He's looking for direction to come from above. His focus is firmly planted on hearing from the Lord, and he needs us to know that he physically places himself in a position to hear, and then he simply waits for an answer. What should you do next? I don't know. The Lord knows. What if you lose your job, your health, your house, your business, your parents? There are more what-ifs ravaging our thoughts we didn't even know could enter our minds 60 days ago. To flourish, take your stand at your own watch post. That means, number one, take an assessment of what you've been entrusted with. And listen, it may extend beyond the boundaries of your family. Mine does. You fit into that space. Think more broadly than a family unit. This is spiritual responsibility. Write it down if necessary. This is what you take to the Lord. Secondly, get yourself in a physical place to hear from God. I don't know why we needed to know this about Habakkuk, but we also needed to know it about Jesus and Daniel and Hannah. There are times when God needs us to know our posture and our physical presence as part of the deal. This may be the most deadly and impactful worldwide phenomena you and I have lived through. There is no better time to station yourself on your watchtower to hear from the Lord. And further, this communicates to the Lord, you're not simply complaining, you're in relationship in the difficulty and hardship. You believe Him, trusting Him to be true to His character, a God faithful to the very end of the age. And because of this, you're going to wait right here. Looking in anticipation, expecting God to answer you. It's one thing to throw all this mess up to Him and walk away. It's an altogether different thing to take it to God, to leave it there, and expect Him to actually answer answer you like Habakkuk does. To not be surprised when the answer comes. There is so much for him to teach us that we could know, not for ourselves only, but to benefit other people. Isaiah 54 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. And in Psalm 5-3, I read this this morning. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. At daybreak, I lay my plea before you and wait in expectation. Listen to what God speaks to Habakkuk. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. That's the next verses that come right after that first one. What we learn from Habakkuk is that God has ordained work to be done for the furthering of the gospel using his people in this present moment. Calamity or no calamity, the work goes on and sometimes in the presence of difficulty there is more work. Put the soccer balls away. Make sure you've been on your watchtower. Hear the Lord. Take what he's spoken to you and recognize he doesn't give wisdom, understanding, and intimacy for your enjoyment only. He gives so that your experience in God will impact others. God says to Habakkuk, do the work. Do the work I've assigned to you that only you can do within the sphere of influence I have placed you in. Now more than ever, your geographic position is of such importance. Your relationships with people are of utter urgency. Habakkuk was a prophet charged with communicating a message to the people clearly, pointedly, in a way they could understand it and not miss it. 
God gave him specific and direct instructions in a time when he might have thought his position was no longer necessary. I mean, what was the point? Total destruction? All the violence? All that badness coming? Why bother? What good is a prophet? But God was specific, right? The vision. Make it plain, on tablets, so that he who runs may read it. That's super specific for a bad time. What is God asking you to do in your present? Not when the dust settles. You need to know. He means for you to be about the work now, not later. If you believe there are things God has ordained for you to be doing, and this season has brought discouragement or a sense of confusion as to whether or not you heard him correctly, hear this word to Habakkuk. Go first to your watchtower and hear what he would say to you. And if he says to you, do the work. The work is yours to do. He's not changed his mind just because the world has gone cuckoo. What if you don't know what to do? Did you hear the last part? If it hastens, wait for it. Your God is faithful in the middle of disasters, He will speak. He will direct. What Habakkuk knows is that God can continue to move mountains and calm raging seas. Multitudes can continue to turn to him. Cures can be found and the bad guys can be defeated. So do the work. Also, ask for it from God. Thriving more than surviving means that we seize the moment to pray big prayers, even though calamity is on the horizon. We ask God to move as only God can. In the next chapter... Habakkuk 3.2, we find this. O Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, earnestly remember compassion and love. Ask God to work. That's what we can do in the midst of all of this going on to flourish. Ask God to work. What strikes me about this request from Habakkuk is that it's so very God-centered. And I think that it is a testimony of our day. We might be tempted to ask him to revive my work. Looking at all that is falling around us, but Habakkuk sees the bigger picture, the picture I need to focus upon. Life is all about God's work in the eternal timeline. My place on it, your mark on it is really insignificant. So here Habakkuk is asking God to move in a monumental, phenomenal way, a way you and I need to seek his face to move also. If you and I want to truly flourish, asking God to work in the way only he can is a reminder that he is the creator and sustainer of the universe. He is big and we are a speck on the timeline of eternity. And that is it. The perspective is essential and Habakkuk holds a right one. So he rightly asked God to do what only God can do and work he does but likely not in the ways Habakkuk wants to see and he must anticipate the what ifs the nation is completely destroyed what if that what if the people are all but annihilated and the possession ravaged you see that's the message Habakkuk was charged to communicate there was no happy ending no if you turn then God will be merciful this is dire straits that he's anticipating and I'm so thankful It's here in black and white because the book wasn't over yet. What if there's nothing for dire straits? What if the Bible offers no recourse when the bottom falls out of your life? What then? That is no gospel. That's just a fake fairy tale. Hear the hope we have in Habakkuk. This part of the book is a hymn and know that the tune is set to wild, enthusiastic music. And these are the words that we have set to wild, enthusiastic music because it's not going to sound like what you think it's going to sound like. Here's what chapter 3 says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, 
and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Wait, what? Has he taken to talking to soccer balls? Has someone given the man a sharpie? No, the man is totally sane. He understands the vision and he knows the God who's given it. Even in the middle of calamity, he knows he can rely on God's character and he chooses to rejoice. How? How is this even possible? Well, there's only one reason. There's only one thing that can keep you and me from doubling over in some sort of fetal position, hoarding what we don't need, worrying ourselves literally sick when the world is crumbling around us. And this is the truth. Listen how the prophet finishes the book. This comes right after. I just read verse 18. This is verse 19. The Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. Habakkuk could not do it. A worldwide pandemic is too much for you. You cannot do it. You will not thrive in your present on your own. The Lord is his strength with a capital S. The Lord is your strength with a capital S. You make the Lord your strength, your personal bravery, your invincible army. There is nothing that will stand between you and what he wants you to accomplish for his glory. You will not stand still in terror. You will walk and make spiritual progress in the middle of trouble with a capital T. In the presence of suffering, whatever may come, and in the great lengths of responsibility you have been given, yes, He is your strength, and in Him you are invincible, and you will thrive. That is the promise and assurance from the Word of God that we get right here in black and white. Do not settle for surviving your presence. God has more in store for you. You are meant to flourish. I pray that the Word of God has met you today, that the Holy Spirit has used it like a salve where needed and is encouraging you like a beating drum to move you into action, not to stand still in terror, but to walk so that you will make spiritual progress and flourish by God's design in your present, whatever may come. And that you will not hold it in, but do the work to take the message as far as he will allow so that the good news of hope in Jesus Christ is made known. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier to make sure you get it. Please remember, rate, review, and share the podcast. You're the one that makes the impact. And you never understand the difference your suggestion could make in the life of another person just by recommending and sharing the resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify. so easy or put it in your stories i would personally be grateful and remember there's more truth saturated gospel centered spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find reading plans videos articles and other resources more than it's ever been before to help stir more desire for god into your everyday life i'm cherry strange it is always a pleasure to meet you here